everybody. Welcome back to Recovering Church Girls. This is your host, Tanya Adlita, of course, and I have with me a return visitor. Welcome back, Melody Spencer. Hi, Melody. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to be here, Tanya. And I'm so excited to have you. And I'm just so grateful for these friendships that start with such deep conversations. And it's just so refreshing. I think those of us that you know, we don't do surface very well. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. when we find other people that don't do surface all that much either. It's just so much fun. I totally agree. I, I don't really have a lot of surface level friendships. I feel like I just get in deep with people and maybe that's just my personality. I don't know, but that's just where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. And it's kind of funny because, well, I say kind of funny when you look at all the different, um, let's say social settings in which the surface level conversations are expected, it gets really awkward, you know, because here we are, we're going to dive right in and we're going to talk about divorce in the church and divorce post purity culture Mm -hmm. and all of these things. And I'm way further down the road than you are in this. And I think about that, the idea of the surface level conversation as it comes to dating again. And, you know, like I just, is total self-disclosure here. I just re-up for Tinder um, because I've been really frustrated with the idea of meeting somebody over the produce section. It's just not going to happen. Exactly. Everyone's like, oh, go to meetups or go to a coffee shop. Like, no. It just doesn't work that that way. meet people anymore. Oh, we can have a whole conversation about apps because that's a whole situation. Well, and I had deleted all of them. Like I've been an off again, off and again, you know, and I would just get discouraged and like, forget it. It's not worth it. But part of the reason why is this whole surface level conversation thing. I can only do, Hey, how's the weather over there? So long (laughs) before I'm like, forget this. Like, this is still not worth my time or effort, which I realize is really judgmental. Um, so there's a balance to it, right? Like keeping your own boundaries, but then also, giving space to build that comfort level. It's just, it's complicated. I also have a big problem with Tinder and that it feels very like you're just a piece of meat or you're just like a pretty face. Like I want someone to want to date me because I'm more than just pretty. Right. I'm funny. I'm interesting. I'm smart. I'm witty. Like I mean, I've had this conversation back and forth with friends and they're like, yeah, but you have to have the chemistry first. I'm like, but if it's but just like, but for me, witty sex, banter is part of that. Yeah. Like that's attractive to me. Not just like, are you hot? Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it is a very interesting thing. Okay. So let's back this up for a minute because <laughs> when you were here the last time it was early in season one and, you know, we had a great conversation and we talked about so many different things, but especially something that we both experienced was the purity culture moving up. Mm-hmm. or growing up, I should say, and how that influenced, you know, how we saw ourselves, how we saw relationships, and then how that translates into our marriages as well. And now you have a new relationship status. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, you know, where you are, how you're doing, and the kind of thoughts and, and feelings you've been processing as a result of all this. Yeah. So My husband and I were in and out of therapy for nine years. Honestly, when we got married in 2007, I, it was not happy from the beginning. Like in my processing, I, that I have done in this season of life, I have realized that we were in love with the idea of marriage that was put in front of us. Mm. And we were following what everybody else was doing because all of our friends were getting married and everybody in the church was getting married. And 
if we had just been allowed to honestly date a little bit longer and have sex, we probably would have broken up. Mm, yeah. I can't tell you how many couples <laughs> I know that can identify with that. Um, so it's not, it's not that we weren't ever happy because I think we did have happy moments, but we had a lot of struggle and a lot of frustration. And almost immediately when we got married, I went into a terrible depression because I'm very prone to anxiety and depression. And I think it was the mixture of all the life changes because I literally went from college to getting married a month after I graduated. And that's a lot of change at one time. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't find a job because it was the recession. Oh, man. So it was a lot of things at one time. And I, the more I've thought about how purity culture has affected me, I've realized that I had an expectation of what marriage and sex would be like, and it didn't live up to that. And I think I felt really gypped and disappointed, and that may have translated to my frustration in my relationship. Sure. That's completely logical. And again, I don't know how many people that I know that would be able to identify with that, because I'm like, yep, that sounds familiar. But yeah, so I've realized that, yeah, that really impacted our relationship. And, you know, people would talk about being newlyweds and like, can't keep your hands off each other and like having this amazing sex. And I was like, in my head, I always felt like, but that, that's not, that's not me. Like, hmm. why, why is that not me? Like, ugh. like, it just felt like I didn't get to be happy. I wasn't allowed to be happy. And there's this expectation of, you're pure until marriage and then you have to be like wild when you're married. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that even further because I feel like that was definitely a topic for, again, so many of us, like I'm, I don't mean to be repetitive, but seriously, like these are, these are the things that we all experienced. And sometimes we had a strong enough friendship that we could actually have this conversation, but Mm -hmm. more often than not, there wasn't anyone that we could talk to about this because the assumption is that everyone is having this idyllic honeymoon Mm -hmm. experience or, you know, just all the different layers of this perceived expectation within the ideals of church and being newly married. Oh yeah. I remember sitting in a small group Bible study after we had gotten married and everybody was like, Oh, is it amazing? It's amazing. Right. And I had to just kind of lie and be like, yeah, it's so great. We're so happy. And inside I was like, is everybody actually secretly miserable in their marriage or is it just Mm. me? And that's so hard. That's so hard to have that moment of feeling so isolated from the experience Mm -hmm. around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. And yeah, so that really was just like a, I was telling a friend yesterday that it was like a slow implosion (laughs) I think our marriage was like, we, like we did have good times and I think we were really better friends than we were anything else. Um, but towards the past couple of years, we really were going in different directions. Cause I mean, I got married when I was 23 and now I'm 35. My ex is 38. So we really, we grew up together in a mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And I feel like we did so much changing in our 20s and early 30s, and now we're just different people, and we want different things, and it was really scary to admit that. It was 
it was terrifying for me to go through that process when we initially separated and then just say, oh gosh, like this is what I want. And that makes me sad that I have to hurt you in this way. Mm. And how, what was the process of even identifying what you want? Because I feel like that's one of those pieces of, you know, whether it's the purity culture, whether it's the, the martyrdom structure, you know, the wisdom or the, excuse me, that women are supposed to have this sacrificial love and not Mm, have any desires of their own. Like how, how long did it take you? And what was the process you went through to even identify what it was that you want? Well, I think it started when I started my business like six years ago and I felt more confident in myself and I started realizing like, I'm damn good at this business thing. Um, and I think that started me realizing like, oh, there's more than just going to work, getting up, cooking dinner, going to sleep, like the same thing all the time. That kind of started bringing me in a different direction. And then in the past like year, I got really into personal development and um, more like Eastern spiritual things and like yoga and just growing in a different direction. And I don't think he necessarily liked that. He never voiced that, but he didn't like that. Mm. Um, Because we haven't gone to church in nine years Um, And we left for a a myriad of reasons, one of the most being that we felt that the church we were going to wasn't gay-affirming, and that really bothered us. But yeah, that was the start of it, and then it was just thing upon thing. Like, we just were um, not really connecting in any way, both physically and emotionally. We just would go to work, do our thing walk the dogs, make dinner, watch a bunch of TV, go to bed. Like, Mm. and that's really sad when I say that now. I'm like, oh my gosh. But we were just so used to our patterns that we didn't see that happening. Well, and I not only, you know, I I totally get the idea of of looking back and feeling sadness over that, but also how, how common that is within so many marriages the idea mm-hmm. that, you know, you just kind of settle into the routine of things. And I feel like something can be lost in that space. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely realized that something that I need is both emotional and physical connection. And I wasn't feeling that in my relationship. So when we had a big fight back in early January and I decided to stay with my parents for a little while, which I thought in my head at that time that it was going to be just like a couple days, um, he, so my ex is a therapist and you would think he'd be better at communication, but he's not. Um, and he's, and he said, well, what do you want when we had the big fight? And I immediately went into the good wife mode and I said, mm-hmm. I just want you to be happy. And he was like, no, what do you want? And that just threw me for a total and complete loop. Because nobody had ever asked me what I wanted. Right. It was what we wanted. It was what our families wanted. It was what um, he wanted. I don't know. I just, I had never thought about what I wanted because all I wanted for so long was to be wanted by someone and to be married because that's what I thought my path was because that's what other people were doing. Right. 
so when I came to stay with my parents, I really, I read a lot of Brene Brown. I, (laughs) I listened to a lot of podcasts. I did a lot of journaling, a lot of meditating. And by the time we got to that counseling appointment, like a month later, I was ready to say like, no, what I want is I want to be free. Hmm. And that was really hard. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So that was a lot for your question. <laughs> no, that's that's exactly. I mean, I, I think I'm hearing a lot of different themes in the idea that it wasn't very similar to leaving the church, but then also deciding that the marriage wasn't going to last mm-hmm. and also determining what it was that you wanted. It wasn't just like there was one light bulb moment for any one thing. It's that oftentimes these kinds of decisions, these kinds of pivots in our lives, they become a series of things. And at some point in time, there is one thing that is going to just tip the balance, but it's not like any one of this, you know, type of situation was taken out of context or rashly or, you know, whatever. And I I think that that's one of the things that I found to be so incredibly frustrating and demeaning while still being in the church, this idea that people were very accusatory of, you know, well, you're just, you're making this decision too rashly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you have no idea what's been going on behind the scenes for years Yeah, that, you know, we've been working through. And I think that, you know, when we talk about the, the multiple layers, like layering up the expectation of what we all think we are supposed to do or be in the church, and then you layer the societal piece on top of that. And, you know, again, all these layers that we've got to work through, there's so much that happens under this scene that, you know, people just don't give credit for, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, right after this happened, I had a beer with a friend that I knew from a meetup group and I hadn't seen her in a while. So we were catching up and she, uh, and she was like, so what's been going on with you? And I just laid it all out. And she was like, what? Like, I would have never guessed that from social media because that's where we get all of our news now is social media. (laughs) And I said, do you not realize how easy it is to hide how unhappy you are on social media? Oh, absolutely. So it was really, really interesting. A lot of people were like, well, I had lots of different reactions from friends. I had that reaction and I had the reaction of another friend who immediately saw herself in my relationship and got really defensive Mm. because she was like, well, shit, if you can get divorced, right. That mean I get divorced. And then she was like, do I want that? And she just like put her in this tailspin of like, uh, and that was not my intention, but I think talking about that pushes different people's buttons. It does. And I I find that fascinating because I had a similar situation as well. And it, it just, it's so interesting to me it's almost, you know, kind of like we talk about here on the podcast, this idea of finding ourselves in each other's stories. When one of us decides that leaving a marriage or divorcing is the best thing for us as human beings, it forces a conversation internally with those around us that sometimes a lot of people just don't want to have. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I feel like I'm the queen of I'm bringing up those conversations with people. <laughs> I don't mean to. I just, I can't not get deep with people. I have a hard time with surface levels. So. Right, right, exactly. So what has happened for you on a spiritual level as you're looking at going from partnered to not partnered? 
what what's happened for you in that context? Oh, that's been really weird. It's been good. Um, I feel like I've spent a lot more time like in my head and processing and a lot of time really like practicing gratitude and just leaning even harder into the personal development aspect. And um, as I said on my podcast a few minutes ago, (laughs) spoiler alert, um, I joined an amazing Facebook group for people who are recovering from being in the church world. And in particular, they have a subgroup for singles and there's a bunch of other divorcees in there. And we have our own little chat group and it has been the best free support group of my life. Like we just talk about dating and getting over purity culture and sex and just everything. And we've talked about the grief of um, separation and divorce and getting through that. And it's just felt like a breath of fresh air to have people to be like, oh my gosh, I feel like if I say this on Facebook, like my aunt that goes to church is going to judge me or like, <laughs> you know, just stuff that you couldn't say to normal, no, not, not normal people, but you know what I mean? To regular right. people who don't understand. Well, and there's something about that shared history mm-hmm. and the shared experience that brings a whole new level of safety and comfort to those kinds of conversations. Yeah. And we all, you know, you would think of those kind of groups that it would end up being like a a sketchy pickup fest of people being like, oh, you're single. I'm single. Ooh, we both have this weird background. <laughs> wink, wink. There's none of that. Like everybody's just there to support each other and they're amazing people. And I, yeah, I couldn't, I mean, they bring joy to my day and it's really helped me grow in a spiritual and personal growth sense and in just a well-being sense. Mm, that's huge. That's absolutely yeah. huge. Yeah. So where, where do you go from here? Like, I mean, it feels to me just from being friends with you and, and having these conversations offline, but then also, you know, in this conversation, you're in a really good space, not only headspace, but heart space and, you know, with the new job and there's just all sorts of positive momentum mm-hmm. with this question of what do you want? You know, where does all of this take you now? Yeah, I, you know, I was talking to some of my friends about this last night and I was like, you know what? I'm open to dating. Like that sounds real scary. Um, That's fair. That's totally fair. I haven't been on a date in like 15 years. So that's real scary. I did download some apps and that was real scary. I was on there for like two seconds and then I was like, shut it down. Shut it down. (laughs) Getting way too many creepy comments here. Oh, nope. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to take it slowly and see what happens. I feel like I'm in a good energy and things are just happening for me. Um, I mean, last night, a friend of mine said that she was like, you just look so happy. And she was like, things are happening for you because you're open to receive things. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. I, I feel like I have so many things happening that I didn't even ask for. Like this job, I really wanted it, but I thought, eh, if I don't get it, whatever. And it's been like the biggest blessing and same with other opportunities that have come up. So I'm just in a good space and I'm ready to see where that leads me because clearly the universe or source or whatever opened up this complicated situation to make room for me to walk into a new chapter. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things that I love about this idea is that it's not as if you haven't done the work. Mm. You know, we, we talk about this idea of, of personal development and 
being committed to our own growth. You've been in that space for a long time. And as something new happens or you peel back another layer, you've been willing to engage in, you know, what does this mean? Who, who does this make me? What is it that I need to unlearn in this situation? You've done the work. And mm-hmm. I feel like in focusing on that and really paying attention to how you feel that opens up a whole new layer of possibilities. And it's just fascinating to me because, you know, when we go back and compare our childhoods and we talk about the idea of feelings and emotions, we were always told, or at least I was, and I think you were too based on our conversations, but the idea that feelings were something we couldn't trust. We weren't supposed to rely on our feelings. We were only supposed to do what we were told and be good little girls Mm -hmm. in that space you know, we, we disassociated from ourselves, from our own emotions, from our own intuition and, and and our own bodies. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So now to be able to come, you know, maybe not full circle, but to begin to rebuild that relationship internally, Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like that is the magic switch. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's, it's going to be an interesting ride. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just the whole idea of learning to trust my intuition more and also really like feel into like, okay, if I am going to date somebody, what do I actually want? What have I learned Mm. from the past 12 years? Um, yeah. Of marriage. Like what, what does that look like? Because I think I told a friend like, okay, if I'm going to be with anybody, like I, definitely know that I want someone to champion me and my creativity and my entrepreneurial spirit because I don't feel like my ex did that. And I want somebody who I don't have to drag on adventures because (laughs) I have a gypsy soul. And if someone can't get that, then they're not the person for me. Right. Or maybe they're the person for me for a little while. I'm also open to that. Like I, I don't know if I believe anymore that there's one person for people. It's just, it can be a series of people. Yeah, you know, so it's such an interesting thing. When we, um, just earlier today, I had the opportunity to be on your podcast, which was so much fun. And (laughs) one of the things that we talked about was this idea of marriage and Mm -hmm. the value of marriage. And when we really, when we really dive into the history and we look at what marriage was and in some ways has continued to be, it was a contract of ownership. And that really jars me. I mean, especially, hello, I spent 20 some years in the wedding industry. Like I love, love, I love weddings. I love all the the things that are related to that. But then at the same time, you know, I think I'm just starting to consider the idea that maybe I don't actually want to get married again, which is shocking to me because I always thought that that's what I would want. So, so I get that, you know, being able to have an openness and, you know, it's almost like just showing up for the adventure of your own life and not having it all mapped out, which you and I are both pretty driven people. Like we tend to have plans. Um, so my friends are like, you're the one that plans all the things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's another thing that I realized I want in whoever I date or whatever is I want someone who's not a planner, like a little bit more spontaneous because I never had that. And I need Mm. someone to kind of be spontaneous and be fun and draw that out of me because otherwise I will plan everything till I'm blue in the face. Right. Right. And also I think just 
what a beautiful gift it is when someone else does the planning. Like when you are the planner in the relationship mm-hmm. for someone else to say, you know, in our case, given, you know, how I'll just say for me, for me personally, I'm into guys. So there is yeah, no judgment same. whatsoever from anyone else from perspectives. But for me exactly. personally, this storyline says when a guy does the planning for a date, that mm-hmm. means the world to me because I didn't have to do it. Yeah, that's very attractive. I totally agree. Um, yeah, and I both love and hate surprises. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Okay, so talk to me about this idea of the one, because oh. I think that that, that was such a con- consistent theme, not only in the context of the church and you know the family units that we saw and things like that, but also within society, you know, mm-hmm. all the, the Disney princess, you know, Ugh. always has the, the Prince Charming waiting, you know, all of those kinds of things. Um, what is your thought process now and how is that continuing to morph? I don't know. I mean, as we said on my podcast, I am definitely a swoony romantic and I feel like I have to rein that in because, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm very, a very sensitive person, so music can make me feel swoony, like movies. and But Disney and all that and church, it did mess us up. It really did <laughs> because mm-hmm. I just don't think there's one perfect person for people. Like, it's just that's such pressure to put on somebody on a date or in whatever context to, to have a girl look at you and be like, let me judge you if you're the perfect person for me. One, people are not perfect. Right. Two, no, like, don't put that pressure on yourself and that person. <laughs> right. That's that's just a little bit of pressure. Yeah. So I just, I think that was part of the reason I felt such guilt ending my marriage is because it had been beaten into me that, mm. you know, you marry one person, you marry them forever, and you you get through all the crap because that's your person. That's your soulmate. You are soul tied to them. Oh, the word soul tie. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And I still feel guilt sometimes like, Oh, like, am I going to go to hell? Because if there is even a hell, um, Mm. because I didn't stick with the person. Right. But now I'm like, well, maybe he was the person for that season. Exactly. Yeah, I would totally subscribe to that. And I I feel like it's so interesting when you take it out of the romantic relationship context, Mm -hmm. because if we look at the other friendships, the other relationships that we have throughout the course of our lives, there's always a series of seasons and people constantly come in and out of our lives. So I just, I find that an interesting counterpoint to this idea of the one. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think that we need to change our narrative of the one. Like, I have friends that I would consider soulmates. I have, Absolutely. You know, I've met, you know, authors and speakers that I consider kindred spirits. Like, I just think we've got to kind of change that narrative around a little bit. Well, and what's interesting to me, too, is that what's the payoff for us individually to feel like we have the one? And I keep coming back to this idea of there's something in, it's all still tied to worthiness. You know, Mm -hmm. this idea that I am worthy of having a committed relationship or I'm worthy of being chosen to be married or I'm worthy of this person's love and affection. 
I wonder, you know, how much it's really about the betterment of the relationship or even more the impact that the relationship can have on the rest of society. I wonder if maybe there's a very selfish piece of this that we haven't taken the time to really unpack and understand. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's really an interesting idea, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, and then like, so to that end, then if we look at the bigger context about our relationships at large, you know, I just, I'm struck by this idea that it's really when we can set aside the payoff that we would get as individuals in this mm-hmm. dynamic, and we come just to see people as they are and to accept them as they are, whether that's a friend or a lover or whatever, there's something very different that happens in that space. And there's a healing that takes place mm-hmm. for all parties involved that has nothing to do with being chosen. Mm-hmm. The thing that's been changing me lately is uh, when I first separated from my husband, I read Brene Brown's Rising Strong, which is amazing. If you haven't read it, if anybody on here hasn't read it, please go seek it out. It's amazing, especially if you've been in a breakup or anything. But she talks about this idea of seeing the best in all people and asking yourself, um, is this person doing the best they can right now in whatever situation. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I ask that about everybody. Like if it's somebody I don't like, if it's somebody that made me angry, if it's somebody that I do like, like that kind of puts them down on a different level for me. Right. Yeah. Being able to recognize the humanity in each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's interesting. It is. It's fascinating to see, you know, and then in the contrast of all of this, like you and I both could have stayed in the same dynamic mm-hmm. that was the get up, walk the dog, feed the kids, go to work, come home, watch the TV, go to bed, start all over again the next day. Mm-hmm. We could have stayed in that space. And I wonder, I don't know, I, I, I want to be very careful because I don't mean to be judgmental of anyone who has that kind of a schedule. There's a simplicity to it that I envy, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a piece of there are so many ways that we numb out in our society. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if busyness and entertainment is just as dangerous as the things that we do physically to alter our state. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I mean, once I kind of left that and I came to stay with my parents, I realized how much TV I watched, how much time I, you know, I'm an introvert with extrovert tendencies and I do spend a lot of time alone, but I realized we spent a lot of time separated from each other in our own home because we weren't connected at all. Mm. Um, and I feel like it's a little sad that we just, I don't know, we just weren't connected and we just used TV as a way to escape from each other. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And it's not to say that, you know, sometimes having a shared experience, like oh, a yeah. show that you watch together or, you know, yeah. something like that, like that, it, they're not always the same thing. And that's an interesting thing in and of itself. It's like, you know, we, when we get caught into the routines and the ruts of things, there's something to be said for what you can rely on, but then also the role of spontaneity and being intentional about how we connect and, you know, all those other Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fascinating to unpack it all. It really is. <laughs> so many layers. So many layers to the onion. Always, always. Well, Melody, thank you so much just for your transparency in, you know, sharing with us not only this aspect of your journey right now, but also taking the time to really peel back those layers. Cause I think we, we both found some new things that we hadn't thought about yet. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I'm all about being transparent about my life, even when it's hard. I mean, I published probably my most, uh, vulnerable episode of my podcast right during this breakup I was talking about possibly possibly being separated and about debt and how much that sucks that's a whole nother conversation oh yeah (laughs) Uh, and the guilt over that and I'm probably going to record one here soon about my whole divorce situation too because I feel like probably people are wondering what's going on but I hadn't been brave enough yet to share it but this has kind of given me a little step of courage to share with my audience what's been going on because I feel like those ladies get it. So, mm, yeah. And I, I'm so grateful to know that. And I feel like there's something, there's something again, and actually it's, it's a kind of callback to something you mentioned to me on, on your podcast, but this idea of when we are each individually willing to be vulnerable and to put ourselves out there and to share what we think and feel and have experienced, Mm -hmm. there is a a strengthening that happens far beyond ourselves and being able to find, you know, find that in each other's stories and, and to be able to hear a perspective that might be very similar, but just enough different that it causes you to think differently. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's the stuff that this is all about. Yeah, it totally is. That's why I love podcasting. That's why I love working with other women because I feel like I get to be a catalyst for other women's stories. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love cool. That. Well, thank you so much for having me. As always, thank you so much. I am so grateful. And for those of you who um, know that we've got this survey going for the book, if you haven't had a chance to pop in and share your experience with me, I will leave that um, in our show notes as well. It can be completely anonymous if you want to, and it'll take you probably less than four minutes because it's like four and a half questions. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty pretty quick. I did it. I know. I was going to say, you already did it, right? I love it. Well, thank you so much, you guys, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.